This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Nasso. Beneath the Surface There is a mystifying story told in Masechet which references the Sota ritual, the supernatural trial of a woman suspected of adultery. In the story, King David's workers are beginning to dig the foundations of the Beit HaMikdash. A significant structure requires deep foundations, and they dig so far that they touch upon underground aquifers. The waters of the deep, surprised by this disturbance and eager to spread, surge to the surface and threaten to submerge the earth. At this point, David has a plan to get the waters to recede, but he is unsure if his plan will anger God. Amar David Shari. Katav Shem Achaspa Vashade Litahoma. Venachit Tahoma Shitzar Afe Garmide. Kichazi de Nachit Tuva. Amar Kama de Midleitve Mirtav Alma. Amar Hamish Asre Maalot. Viaske Hamesar Afe Garmide. Vokme be Afe Garmide. David said, Does anyone know whether it is permitted to write God's name on a shard of pottery? so we could throw it into the watery deep and the waters will rest? No one responded to him at all. In its Talmudic context, this story is brought as a genealogy for the 15 Psalms, Shirei HaMalot, that King David wrote on this occasion. However, the story is not really about David and his Psalms. It is about the enterprise of building a home what is risky and dangerous about it, and what can be done to help set a home on a solid foundation. It is about the Sota ritual, discussed in this week's parasha, and it is about how fragile romantic relationships can be, and what the Sota ritual can teach us about how to strengthen and restore them. The building of the Mishkan and the Beit HaMikdash after is understood in romantic terms. God does not just dwell among us in these structures. This is where God lives with us. This relationship is highlighted by a passage in Masechet Sanhedrin. Amr Shmuel Rav Yehuda. Krakativ. Gam ish shlomi asher batachtibo. Ochel lachmi higdil alai akev. Hahu dehavaka marva azil. Kirichamtin hava aziza afutaya desafsira shechivan. Hashda de la Aziza, Rechimtin, Puraya Barshitin Garmide, Lo Sagilan, Amarav Huna, Krai Khativi, Meikara Khativ, Venoarti Lachasham, Vidibarta Itcha, Mealha Kaporet, Vitanya, Aron Tisha, Vekaporet Tafach, Harekan Asara, Uchtiv, Vahabait Asherbanahabel Shlomo, Lahashem, Shishim Ama Orcho, Vesrim Rochbo, Ustoshim Ama Komato. Ulevasov Kativ, Koa Marhashem, Hashemayim Kisi, Vaaratadom Raglai, Eza Bayet Asherativ Nuli, Veeza Makom Menuchati. Shmuel said to Rav Yehuda, The verse says, 
Even my own friend, whom I trusted and who ate my bread, has turned against me. This is what he used to say. When our love was strong, we would sleep on the width of a blade. Now that our love is not strong, a bed of sixty amot is not sufficient for us. Rav Huna said, There are psukim written about this. At first it is written, and I will meet you there and speak to you from the kaporet. And we learn the ark was nine tefachim, and the ark's cover, the kaporet, was one tefach, which makes ten tefachim. And it is written, the house that King Shlomo built was sixty amot long and twenty wide and thirty amot tall. But at the end it is written, so Hashem said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house could you possibly build for me? Where is the place of my rest? Shmuel's statement and Rahuna's explanation reflect a number of different stages in our relationship with God. God took us out of Egypt, split the Red Sea in an unrivaled display of courtship. We accepted the Torah, which the rabbis identified with our wedding to God, Yom Chatunato. When we were in the wilderness and God was dwelling in the Mishkan, that was a sort of honeymoon period. It was a time of transition and a time of poverty, but also a time of intimacy, which we would look back on fondly. The building of the temple is a time of maturity and stability. The Mishkan is like a couple's renting a small studio together as their first apartment. The Beit HaMikdash is like buying a house, becoming homeowners together. Exciting, but stressful. And as the relationship with God progressed, according to Rav Huna, we encountered moments of severe strain, almost to the point of divorce. The intimate times when a pup tent felt too big gave way to a time when even a mansion felt small and suffocating. The story with David and the watery deep occurs at the stressful moment of beginning to build that house, the permanent structure. The Beit HaMikdash is not a tent that can be disassembled at will. It is a commitment of beams of cedar. When you start to build a house of scale, you have to check the foundations. You have to ask serious questions about the soundness of the current or eventual structure. And you often find possible sources of instability, or worse, lurking under the surface. This is the case with romantic relationships as well. As the relationship becomes more serious, questions get asked about its durability. The exciting time of building a life together is also a time of examining the foundations and uncovering some of the tensions and unease that live underneath the surface. This probing of the foundations is often the point at which relationships dissolve. This is not a time of placidity. When David dug beneath the surface, he found a churning, frothing, almost vengeful deep. Underneath what seemed to be solid and reliable ground was a lot of discontent, displeasure, and unease that did not do well when disturbed. David understands that the waters represent charged emotions. This made him turn to the story of the Sotah, the Torah's paradigmatic case of a relationship that is about to be torn apart by jealousy. The portion of the Sota ritual involves three components. Earth from the floor of the holy precinct, water in an earthenware vessel, and the erased words of the oath that the Sota is made to take. David saw the connection between the earth of the Mishkan and the earth that he was disturbing for the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. 
he also recognized the waters. And he thought to himself, what is missing is the words of the oath. More importantly, he recognized the similar dynamics of a relationship between two parties that is being exposed as unstable and fraying. If your relationship with your wife gets to the point that you are threatening to bring her to the Kohen and make her drink a cursed, bitter elixir, it is not a good sign. The waters, too, were nursing an old hurt, as the Midrash teaches. Amar Rabbi Berechia, Lo perishu hamayim atachtonim min ha'elyonim ela bivchia. Hadahu dichtiv mibchi neharot chibesh. Rabbi Brachia said, The lower waters separated from the upper waters with crying. As it says, from the crying of the rivers he made solid ground. According to the first chapter of Breshit, God created all of the waters first, and then separated them into upper and lower waters. That is, the sky and the atmosphere on the one hand, and all of the water that is found in oceans, lakes, rivers, and underground aquifers on the other. Rabbi Brachia understands that this process was difficult for the waters, perhaps insulting to the lower waters, in addition to being alienating. When David broke through the earth, the waters saw an opportunity to get back to the surface, to set aright all that had hurt them. On the one hand, the waters feel hurt. They are upset at having been separated and demoted. But on the other hand, the lower waters want to reunite with the surface and the upper waters. They want to be close to God in heaven. This kind of complex dynamic of resentment and longing, jealousy and anger, coupled with a desire to reconcile, is also present in the dynamic of the Sota, the suspected wife, and her jealous, suspicious husband. One of the curious moments in the story as told in Sukkah is when Achitophel assesses the permissibility of erasing God's name in order to calm the waters. He reasons that since God allowed his name to be erased in the Sotah ritual in order to make peace between man and his wife and save the marriage, God would certainly allow it here in order to save the world. But how does Achitophel know that the point of this ritual is reconciliation between the two parties? According to the Torah, divorce is enacted by the husband. When a man takes a wife and possesses her, and it happens that she does not please it because he finds something obnoxious about her, he can write her a bill of divorce, hand it to her, and send her away from his house. Though it is unclear what meets the standard of ervat davar, an obnoxious or inappropriate behavior, which would serve as grounds for divorce, it is clear that there is no court proceeding to determine whether or not the wife has in fact done this behavior. A husband, even if he may not appropriately initiate a no-fault divorce, can do so functionally. If the husband suspects his wife of adultery, he does not need to bring her to the temple, he doesn't even need to bring her to the court. He can simply draw up a document and dismiss her. Because of this, Achitovel understands that if a man brings his wife to a Sota trial, it is because he wants to be with her. He wants her to be proven innocent. True, the man doesn't trust her. And true, their relationship is in a lot of danger. But there is a relationship to save. And though the woman has no biblical right to initiate divorce, 
her hand is seen in the sota proceedings as well. In order for a woman to be subject to this trial, her husband needs to have told her not to seclude herself with a given man, not to engage in any suspicious behavior. If she nevertheless does so, then it is possible to see her as doing so in order to antagonize her husband, as a cry for attention or as an expression of frustration. The Midrash understands that the woman here is acting out of temporary insanity. And so Moshe did in the Torah about her absence of full mental capacity, as it says any man whose wife strays. Tisteh. It is written with the letter shin, tisteh, in order to teach that she doesn't engage in sexually inappropriate behavior until a madness enters her. The Midrash seizes upon the unusual spelling of the verb for becoming a sota, tisteh, because there is something unusual going on here. This behavior is a demonstration of crazed desperation. On closer inspection, we see that the Sota process indicates that the jealous attitude of the husband and the defiant attitude of the wife are not merely negative behaviors. They hide much more complexity. Because the jealousy and the anger are also a sign of investment. Just as the waters of the deep only threaten to submerge the earth because they want to reunite with the upper waters, sometimes what is behind a fight even the most bitter kind is a desire to reconcile. Yes, there is a lot for this couple to work through, but there is also a lot for them to work with. This can explain the curious behavior that Avot Rabbi Natan attributes to Aaron HaKohen. The Midrash there states that when two people were fighting, Aaron would go to each party and lie to them, telling each of them that he had heard that the other wanted to reconcile despite having actually received no such intelligence. Perhaps Aaron engaged in this behavior and didn't think of himself as lying because he truly understood the dynamics of these relationships. Maybe he was right in the way that he read the anger, the past between these two people, assessing that it was really love in disguise, a desire to reconcile too profoundly buried by the hurt, fear, and anger that array themselves on the surface of the conflict. Often, we get into conflicts that can feel intractable, filled with so much bitterness and enmity. The case of the Sota should train us to look beneath the surface of negative feelings and to find the investment that lies underneath the wounds. Sometimes, instead of responding as we want to or should, with vulnerability and curiosity, we respond with anger and jealousy and let our pain dictate how we express ourselves. We should tap into this reservoir of strong feeling and see in it the passion that it takes to do the hard work of reconciliation. Wishing you a Shabbat of stability and peace. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.